There she is. Yep. All right. All right. Questions, comments, concerns. Stop with rabbis. Start with Auschwitz. What? Oh, yeah, I want to know about that Auschwitz talk you had. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, yeah, the story. I, thought, I thought I was walking into talking to Rabbi and now we're talking about Auschwitz. What? You learn new things every day, huh? Yeah, sure. Nazis are insane. Well, I. <laughs> it was a. Uh... I think. Did you hear that joke? Hmm? No, yeah, I totally missed it. I got lost in thought there. I don't know. You, you guys tell me. You know, it's. it's I got. I. I keep having these experiences and other people have been reporting to me also like conversations with people who like it's very nihilistic you know like what how do you know there's that? meaning in life there is no meaning this, I mean you guys running into that yeah. around town sometimes online people get jokes yeah and so I was I, I was playing around with this idea of how Oftentimes, you know, when you have those sort of conversations with people where they're, where they're making this argument, cynically, they're making this argument, you know, that there's no meaning in life and, you know, why, why care, you know, like, come yeah. on, like, you know, everything's subjective. You know, just, nobody makes that argument about their pain. Pain? Yeah. No one ever makes an argument that their pain is just subjective. The one thing everybody puts meaning in is their own pain. And that got me thinking, that's, that's an interesting observation. You know, what people dispute is, oh, you know, how do you know there's good in the world? Oh, you know, is, is what we do really matter? But no one ever talks that way about their own pain. So it's like, okay, there's common ground. You and I both agree there's meaning to pain. Interesting. So it got me thinking about, well, you know, taking... You know, after World War II, you know, what the Nuremberg trials represented, you know, with the, the Nazi trials, what they really represented was all of humanity getting together and agreeing. Well, it's hard, it's hard without, without the Torah to be able to say what is good. But we can tell you for sure what isn't good. Sadistic enjoyment in causing other people to needlessly suffer. The Nuremberg Trials said, humanity took a stand and said, it does not matter who you are, it does not matter what your beliefs are, it does not matter what culture you're from, it doesn't matter who your parents were, and it doesn't matter how sucky your life was. There are certain things that are objectively bad, and you will be punished for it. But can you, at the same time, you can measure how bad pain is. Like some people might think breaking a leg is horrible and some people may say it's not the worst thing in life I've broken Chatsham saying Chatsham someone could say they broke their leg three times already yep. so it's not that bad for them they got used to it but you yeah, know, so you're never going to say yeah it doesn't matter so that's there, why Nazis, like, they're there's not no, desensitized. There, there's no this. Well, you know, a real, a real, if you want to read a book that'll change your life, read Ordinary Men. The, 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 basic, the basic gist of the book was about, it was following um, the, uh, normal run-of-the-mill uh, German guys who were assigned as police officers for Poland. And they, you know, they grew up like pre-Nazi era, so they had some humanity left in them. And what the what the description of their lives was was this slow, painful transformation into monsters. And it's not like people make the decision to just be a monster. Like what, what the book illustrates is that 
the, the way they were brought in and what they were told was, okay, look, this is going to be a tough job. It's a volunteer. No one has to do this. Hmm. Knowing that, knowing you can walk away, okay, now we're going to get to business policing Poland. And they did atrocious stuff. I'm not going to get into the details. But what was, what was, what was just really fascinating were two, two things that really stuck out was, number one, you know, every time they would do something atrocious, they were going through transformation. Like they, were, they were puking their guts out every time after they did all the stuff they did. Like, it, it, was, it was biologically bad. You're making They're, it sound like a movie because of how, like, vivid it sounds. It, well, it was a very vivid book. Well. Until they just, it was almost like that part of their soul turned off. And number two, the thing that kept them doing it was this sense of love and compassion to their friends because it was like everybody agreed what they were doing was the worst possible inhumanity that anyone could be asked to do. And they saw that it would also, in this weird perverted way, it was also bad to abandon their friends in doing it. So it was like this, this simultaneous realization of what I'm doing is horrible. How could I not support my friends having to go through that horrible experience? Alone. Right, alone. Oh, it's so weird. And so it's, it's like that has meaning to it. No, you, you just, you, you're confronted with, like I said, Auschwitz, like, you know, the, 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 most sadistic, the, the most sadistic suffering you can cause another person. Like that has meaning. It's wrong. Humanity says it's wrong. The joke on the Auschwitz sign is work will set you free. You know, that's wrong, and everyone says it's wrong. Well, if that's wrong, there's got to be an opposite. You know, if you want to know what's good, at the very least is stopping that. At the very least is stopping that. What did you say? Um, suffering can have meaning? You said it in better words, though. Just you now? Put meaning and pain... That, 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 I mean, that, that is the point I'm trying to make, is that people always put meaning in pain. So it's like, there's no such thing as a nihilist. There's no such thing as a person who really does believe there's no meaning in life. Because if he really believed that, the pain he would be going through, he'd be able to snap his fingers and say, no biggie. But they don't. You know, you, you read the diaries of, say, the guys who did the Columbine shootings. I mean, like, that's an interesting read right there. And that book, their, their whole belief in what they were doing, what they were motivated in doing, and why. It's like the world has no meaning, and I'm bringing down as many people as possible to prove it. But in their writings, they're describing such meaningful pain that they were experiencing in their own lives. It's like it's a paradox. It's, it's, not, just, it's not even a paradox. It's a contradiction of what they're actually saying. If they really believed there was no meaning, it would be like, eh. What book is that one? Whatever. Hmm? What book was that? Just look them up online. Look up the Columbine Diaries. So, it's, it's kind of a funny way of arguing that there is meaning in life. But I think it's a, I think it's a pretty strong argument to make. And it's, it's like, it's, it's, it's approaching the problem backwards. Now that we all agree, all we all know, it's like undeniable that pain has meaning. Well, what's the op? And, and even more than that, I mean, like this is some tough stuff. I mean, like I, I don't know what the difference between that sort of human suffering is. I don't know what the difference between that and hell is. Like I think the difference is academic. 
Like, there ain't much difference. So it's like, that's as bad as it gets. Well, at the, ver- at the very least, the opposite is good. Like, the, the, the very least, for sure, the opposite is good. And now is we're, it, yeah. Is it hell for the person inflicting the pain? I think it's for every, I mean, that, that, that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of it. I mean. Because they're so messed up that they think it's good that. At a certain point, I mean, that's the story with the, with, with the book I told you about, Ordinary Men. Yeah. It's like, that's the end of that story. Like, the only way to stop that sort of self-inflicted pain because you are causing pain to others is to let your soul die and feel nothing. You know, like, that's the transformation. Like, everyone will say that's bad. So, so like I said, I, I kind of put it to you as, well, okay, fine. If that's, if, that's, if that's what evil is, if that's what hell literally is, I think that's literally what it is. Well, the, what's the opposite? It's like stopping that. But isn't that? And it's like, and that's, it's. It can get, what I'm saying is like, well, if that's like the bare minimum opposite, it can get better than that. You know, how how amazing can life be if it's not just stopping pain? What if there's more? You know, what if there's more than just stopping useless suffering? Like, how far could you go with that? I have no idea. Isn't that a good thought to have? To think, what if there's more in life than just stopping pain? Yeah, yeah I think that's a really good. That's yeah. yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. I think it's a really good thought. Yeah. Do you think because people focus on that too much, they they just focus on getting rid of the pain in their life instead of like focusing on the good, which gets rid of the pain too? In a way, like people get caught more on the negative side than. That, I mean, people do. I mean, that, that part is true. It, it'll be both. I mean, like wanting to get rid of something bad and then wanting to replace it with good. I mean, that's that maximizes effort, that's for sure. You know, like you gotta, it's both, both sides of, a, of the same coin. You know, get rid, get, rid of, get rid of suffering and maybe there's something more. So I don't know, like that's when the, that's when the, that's when the girl walked out. I think I freaked her out with all that. How do you know life means something? Well, there's pain. Yeah, that might ruin someone's day. But it's but it's even that is like an interesting thing to kind of ponder is like I don't know, maybe you'll find out who that was. I'd be interested to see what her what like why she walked out. Because it could be a million and one things. I mean, like, number one, that's just intense and maybe like I shouldn't have like put that on everybody without knowing my crowd. There were a couple new people there. Like that was my bad. Okay. So may, may, maybe out Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone took out of the school is like, oh my gosh, this is what they teach here. Okay, fine, know, maybe I messed up. But, so it's like please tell me about pain right now. But you know, I'm sure it's probably that. But like, you know, for you know, making this question a little more interesting is well, there are people who are cynical, you know, like, okay, fine, now we have a great argument. We have a great argument that there is meaning in life. How do we know there's good meaning in life? Because there's bad, and everyone agrees to it, and there's got to be an opposite. Okay, great, we have our theory. But, oh, like, there are people who don't want to give up being cynical. Like, that's their identity. It's not just, I think this is also true, like, there are people who, you know, as soon as you say life has meaning, guess what? Time to take responsibility, everybody. Time to open up the Shulchan Aruch. Like, that's responsibility. It, it, it can be a similar idea is like, you know, you have, you have people who kind of like try and drag down the Torah, you know, like all of these halachas, you know, all this minutia, you know, like, does, it, does God really matter if you're an Attilus, your dying cup has a hole? Yeah, because you don't know how bad things can get. <laughs> yes, he does. 
because things get really bad. And the more that you find meaning in the world, it's, it's like it doesn't just protect you from suffering, but then it makes everything meaningful. Like the antidote of pain is looking for meaning in everything. And that doesn't have limit. So it's like, it's, no, it's not a burden putting on people like, you know, being dumb about Tilsi Dime Cups. It's, it's, it's the exact opposite is that now that we know everything that can have meaning, now look for it. Now find meaning in the fact that like maybe the size of a, you know, you know, the, maybe the size of a walnut hole in your Tilsi Dime Cup will puzzle the cup. I mean, like it, that can have meaning. Now it matters. And when something matters, you get detailed about it. I mean, this is like, you know, anytime someone nerds out on something, they just get too detailed. It's like, well, you know, man, I, you want me to nerd out? Just get me talking about Lord of the Rings or Star Trek. And like, we'll be here for a good 10 hours. And I will not stop. Well, it's because it's meaningful. When something is meaningful, it's like every detail matters. I'm never going to talk about Star Wars ever. <laughs> I'm not so into Star Wars. You're safe talking about Star Wars. <laughs> So that's 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 the but but even dealing with the cynic, okay, fine, you know, like putting aside maybe someone's cynical because they don't want to take on responsibility. Well, there's a lot of other reasons why people are cynical. I mean, yeah, it's it's a you know, like think of it this way: it's a personality type. You know, it's the way someone identifies themselves as being. Like identity is super duper duper important. Like you need to have an identity. The, the, the joke in psychology, like a lot of people think of their identity, you know, I am Yonison, as though like that's concrete truth. Well, no, like it's a, it's a construct of behaviors. My identity is just a bunch of behaviors. It's a patterns of behavior I reproduce. And if I wanted to, I could just do other behaviors. My sense of self is a behavior. But that's kind of a scary thought to present to somebody because behavior gives stability to life. It's, it's, it's a low-resolution map of who you're sitting with and keeps you from freaking out every two seconds of who am I, who am I, who am I? I mean, people with borderline personality disorder, for example, like one fundamental problem they have is they really don't know who they are because they go through too much pain and suffering. Like the sensitivity they have emotionally is just so powerful. They end up not developing a sense of identity. And they don't have values. They don't know what to strive for. They have a sense of they know they should do something. But like, that's not having an identity. And so if you have someone who's cynical, you know, well, that's an identity. At the very least, they're not lost. So you have to have compassion for that. Even people with that disorder, is it hard for them to even make small choices as to what food they want? Unbelievably hard. Really? For many people, yes. Not, I mean, there's, there's, there's gradations and there's different, people are different. But like, that does come up. You but know? How, what makes the difference between them and someone who's indecisive? Like, is it, is it just really extreme? Because even indecisive... The sense of be being like, lost. Just, like, you're lost. In the form of it's like the, It's like, a, like, the, the meta, like, being indecisive is like, I have, I, have, I have two options, and I just don't know which one to do. And, yeah. you know, like, you just, your, your brain bounces from side to side from the two options. That's okay, and, you know, you know, we're all indecisive about something. But, like, being lost is like you're a little four-year-old kid in a, in a mega mall. You don't know where mom and dad is. You are lost. That's terrifying. And so like having a sense of identity, even though a large part of it is just a bunch of behavioral patterns and is artificial, but by not behaving that way to yourself, like you give yourself stability so you don't just 
get terrified out of your mind. So like people are cynical for, for that sort of reason. It's like, well, like, you know, that's it's better than nothing. And another part of this is like, you know, it is, it's a bit of a kick to the gut to tell somebody who's cynical, yeah, you know, as bad as your life is, it didn't have to be that way. Gosh, that would hurt. You know, maybe all, you know, maybe, maybe if you saw the golden lining and we've had this experience, you know, I think we've all had this experience in the room where like, we all have problems and we share it with somebody and the guy just like solutionizes to death about like, you should have done this and you should have done that. And like, well, I don't want to hear it, you know, and no one wants to hear it. One reason why we don't want to hear it is implicit in being told the solutions were implicitly being told were incompetent. Like that hurts. But then there's truth to it too. Like you're, yeah, he's right. Like maybe if I would have put three hours on my pongo instead of one, I wouldn't have got my ticket. Yeah, he's right. Like it's true. Maybe life didn't have to be as painful as what it was. That's painful. You can't just say that to somebody. So it's like, okay, well, the cynic, he's wrong. And to tell him he's wrong point blank like that is probably the worst thing you could do. So how do you approach it? How do you approach believing in there's meaning and being surrounded by people who disagree with you? I had a a friend of mine. Today has become like in vogue for for uh, for clinicians to go visit go visit the Dalai Lama, and they go they hang out. Dalai Lama's cool, likes to smile a lot. And so my friend he was there, and there was another there was another monk who was there, and they were schmoozing. Dalai Lama's still alive. Yep. And yeah, sure. He's still kicking. He's so zen. He's so zen. Yeah, good job. <laughs> and so they're schmoozing, and and it happened to me. This other monk had been in a Chinese prison camp for for a yeah. good long while. And the Dalai Lama asked, the Dalai Lama asked him, you know, well, how did how did you survive that? cynical. Now my colleague, my friend, thought the question was, how did you survive being in a in a in a prison camp? You know, they're beating you every morning and afternoon. I mean, and so he, he answered, it was hard, but I was still able to maintain my compassion and love for them. The Dalai Lama was not asking about the physical danger. He was asking, did this experience destroy your soul? How did you save your soul and your humanity? And the response is, it was hard, but I was still able to maintain the love and empathy towards towards my, my, my captors. There's a documentary of this lady yeah. forgiving Hitler. Of what? Forgiving Hitler. Okay. A Jewish lady? Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah, yeah. Someone who, um, like, yeah, concentration camps. And she's saying, like, for the people who she knew were also survivors, like, they, like, hated her. Were so angry at her, like, and, um... That's a complicated one, too. What's yeah. the difference between forgiving and compassion? Because I, they are not the same. You know, with you know, as soon as we have to take on, there is, there is truth. There is moral truth in this world. There is right and wrong. I mean, sometimes there are things you really can't. You're obligated not to forgive. You know, something like that. You're obligated not to forgive. But that doesn't mean you're obligated to lack compassion. You know, what What the devil did baby Hitler have to go through to get to that? Yeah, he had a mess-up childhood. You know, yeah, right. It's like, as far as you unpacking these people's childhood, it's like, well, still don't like you, but... 
I don't know. He he's a bad painter. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't you bother <laughs> Yeah, and no, honest, honestly, I have no idea. I have no idea. Is yeah, there's a lot of, yeah. And, and even there, it's like, and then you have the question, well, you know, loads of people who went through the same and worse, and somehow they didn't turn out to be Hitler, you know? Like, how did that one work? And so it, it a part... Yeah, the whole thing on criminology and the minds of how serial yeah. killers work, because they're saying they don't get why certain serial killers, like, yeah. it has two different parts, that the way their brain is formed and also their childhood, because yeah. if they... There was a man who had a similar brain formation as a serial killer, but he had a stable childhood. So he ended up being like a college professor yeah. studying like criminology as opposed to, I forgot, it was either Ted Bundy or uh-huh. like one of the one, other ones. He had like the same exact brain pattern as him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they I, just had a I, yeah, he, if you, do you hear his lecture? Um, nope. Yeah, he's a cool guy. What's his name? Oh, man. Yeah, that's, that's a cool one. And it, yeah, it's like. But, um. And they kind of left with that question. You know the guy she's talking about? Yeah, I know. I know the professor she's talking about. Yeah, he's a cool guy. Doesn't like something have to get in, ignited in your brain? Like a, something so traumatic. Like, there is so. There is. I mean, it, this kind of gets to like, well, why we should be so like we should have compassion and some understanding. Gosh, I don't know. I, Wait, how did they measure that guy's? The, in in the sense that. Yeah, there's so many factors that go into people being messed up. Like you can't explain it. Like there's no there's no psycho there's no psychological tool to explain why people are the way they are. There are there are tools to get back from hell, but it's really how do people end up there? That's a good question. That's a I like that. I'm gonna write that down too. <laughs> I always feel like it's just childhood. But then there's yeah, there's a it's definitely a part of it, and there's genes, and there there's childhood, and then you know the that's what happened when you were an adult, and the trauma. I mean, like there's a low that who knows. But it's kind of like, well, how do we orient ourselves towards that? Number one, there is meaning, there is truth. You can't forgive everything because there are certain things that are objectively bad. The Nuremberg trials prove that to everybody. We had a Torah that, that dates a little older than the Nuremberg trials that said that, but like humanity caught up, you know, after World War II, that there are some things that are objectively wrong. You might have to what have... some things that you can't forgive? Right. Yeah, it's like, what would, well, what would be considered? I think genocide is one of them. Okay. That's definitely on the list. Okay, I'm going to have to... You know, genocide, you don't forget. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that you don't have compassion for it, and that's tough. How do you, how do you not forgive someone and have compassion for them? As wa- I was watching, I can't pronounce it. The f- the photographer of uh, was that word? Ma Ma Mufasin. No, no, it's a place. The photo- it's the concentration camp. People who are Spanish. <sighs> Munchausen. Something no. else. Yeah, that's that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a weird mob the, disease. The other one comes? It's a weird mob disease. It's a weird mob disease. <laughs> it is a weird mob disease. <laughs> what? <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> that's great. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. You try to keep your child six with all attention. Oh, did yeah. you have a documentary about that recently? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Funny. The rest. Yeah. <laughs> weird mom disease. <laughs> anyway, continue. Anyway, yeah, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> that's the one. That's Munchausen syndrome, right? That's cool. Uh, I love that. It's weird mom disease. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that, that, that's there. You go. Like that's basically like you know. Good luck with that. That's that, that's a fair way of guiding yourself through life. You know, there is truth. There is meaning. 
there are things that are objectively good and bad. There's objectively right and wrong. You know, there's a lot of things that God judges people, and maybe you shouldn't, but you still can't say it's good. Like, you still can't say it's fine, you know? Like, there has to be some level of compassion you have for everybody. And there you go. Gen- genocide is not, not on the list of things you forgive. I think those, are, those, are, rules for, those are rules for... Those are rules for... You know, I man, this is complicated. I mean, like... I don't even want to get into it. I don't want you guys walking out. Like, I, I, I'm immediately being confronted with all of the all of the different. Um, you know, I I mentioned. You know, I, for a good long while, I was doing a lot of research for uh, on psychopaths and like listening to their stories and like how they hurt people. It's like like. And then I got nightmares. If you don't, you don't have a soul. If you don't have nightmares, like, they're really bad. And just like I don't want to get into the details, but it's like and so like. Yes, these people have to be dealt with immediately. Like, you can't let this one go. But then, you, you know, like what you're bringing up, you know, at what, you know, at what point in human history, there's going to be a time in the future where we're all going to look at being a psychopath like diabetes, where there's a problem and take medication, you'll be just fine. I mean, can you even imagine, I can't even imagine hearing those stories of ever relating to someone that evil. As being like having diabetes and just have this medication, you know, take, take, take two pills and call me in the morning. You'll be just fine. You won't want to rip body parts. You know, like, okay, great. You know, that, that's a, that's a, that's, that's, I can't imagine that. I feel like they got them though. Yeah. Ooh, they heavily sedate them so they catch murder people. Murder, murder. But it kind of, you know, like putting putting these things on the table like that gets back to this, you know, our old friend, you know, paradox is like, well, they both are true, you know. You can't forgive, and you also have to have compassion. And it's a balancing act, and it's a balancing act we all have to do. When I was watching that movie, it showed one of the guys who like who ran the camp, and then um, they killed him in the same way that he was killing other people. Yeah. But it was, and like, yeah, go, go. Like, is that is that what you're sort of saying? I don't even know what to make of that. What do you mean? You know what I'm talking about, like. When I saw the guy, the the guy who inflicted yeah. so much pain, yeah, I was thinking like, I mean, there's no, there's no way you could judge anyone like to do that, but like, I don't know, is that what, is that fine? Like, no, I, maybe you can judge that. They're was, halachas. Yeah, because I was wondering like, God's but yeah, that's, that, that's, that's what I was wondering. That's a tough one. Yeah, I man, I have no the idea. Same time, like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like the thing, a thi- a thi- but it's like but the fact that you don't know the fact that there's a hiccup the fact is like well you're rooting for it but then there's this there's sneaking suspicion what am I doing to myself that I'm rooting for that well maybe you should root for it maybe you know rooting for root, I mean I mean that's the mitzvah of Malik I mean Malik is pure evil root it out but then on the other side of things is like well you know when it comes to a mall, like at what at what at what point does Judaism advocate genocide? That's a fun question. Amalek, because that's what a, that's what a mall like is. We we, we want to we commit genocide against a mall like. Well, we only justify that when there are open miracles where God is literally talking to you and the entire nation, and you have verified that you are all not hallucinating. Then and only then do we advocate such behavior. Yes, that's an interesting thought. Are you hallucinating? Sir, yes, sir. And I cannot educate. Where's Mosh? Mosh, come up the mountain, Mosh. Let's go get the fire. 
No, like, you know, a guy called emotions. Please tell like, come on. Move your walking slow. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. What I got. That's that was my. So, what do you guys think? Is that? I would you? Really you got, no, no one. No one. No one. No one. No one walked. Talks all day long. No <laughs> one walked out. Not one yeah. person. Yeah. In fact, we encourage it. Yeah, we encourage this kind of talk. We're like, please, please. Wait, would it be bad if most of what I got from this class is what Genocide. if there's more in life than just stopping pain? Because the rest maybe is just too hard for me to, you know, actually that's, internalize. That's, that's that's good. That right there. What will it cost? What will it cost you? Whatever. I, but I feel like that's whole America's thing. It's just like, yeah. just the pursuit of happiness. Just, I mean, that's the goal, just to be happy. Well, what's happy? I mean, I'm definitely not saying be happy. Right. You know, like, meaning is not happiness. They are not. Uh, they're not the same on any level. But I feel like when people find meaning, it's easier for it's easier for them to find happiness. Are we being indoctrinated just to be happy? Is that like what he was saying? That through pain, you could also find meaning. Meaning in a bad way. It's like whatever the opposite. No, because then once you give your pain meaning, it it calms you, like it comforts no, you. And then you overcome it. Or, the ordinary men <laughs> thing was that like they they found meaning in uplifting their friends by doing their bad stuff. Yes. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. Isn't that weird? It's like the bond. Very so that's like how. Once so you can history. bond even over. Like, I can understand it. it by not going through it. Like I understand. Yeah. Like. I mean, even that that point alone is like you start to see that that meaning is something which is very flexible. I don't want to say yeah, flexible, and it it demands there to be a system that that almost like well, meaning could be anything. You need to have some sort of like filter to order. Meaning, because if meaning, if something like that sadistic could be meaningful, that should give everybody pause. It's like, really? You find meaning in that? Meaning is that flexible. And so, like, having this this obsessive compulsive need to 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 outline halacha is really, I think, in 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 many ways, is a counter. To how flexible meaning can be, because if finding that sort of meaning, like there, like there's a, there's a a weird beauty to that, but like no, that's too weird, you know, like you don't want to fall into that. Yeah, yeah. And like people could also find meaning, I guess, in like cheating on their spouse. Like the meaning they get from that okay. is the pleasure of doing something bad. Well, usually, usually cheating is because you live in a loveless relationship. That's usually what it is. It has nothing to do with physicality whatsoever. People cheat on people cheat on their spouse because for the past ten years they haven't been talking to each other. Yeah, so they find meaning in a different place. Right, so it's like they find someone who actually wants to talk to them, and that is meaningful. But how terrifying is it that that discovering meaning under those circumstances? But how terrifying is it to find meaning under those circumstances? It's like finding meaning and genuine, like meaning that feels uplifting in something which is wrong. So I mean, the Torah comes along and says, "Okay, we have to we have to sort out this whole meaning thing because you don't want it to be that flexible. 
You want it to be able to be something which is not just meaningful in this moment, but is self-sustaining and not just self-sustaining in your life, but for every moment of your life and for an entire civilization for thousands and thousands of years. That's the sort of meaning we want to develop. So is that why you're saying it's dangerous to choose meaning in anything? You have to be careful. Yeah. Because is this meaning going to is this meaning going to be something that is temporary or is it is it is it meaningful in a in a stone sort of sense like it is a rock it will exist and it doesn't matter when how or why that it is what do you mean? Like watching Netflix. I know. It, it, it could be like the stone and it, it keeps someone, it gives them a false I, sense of peace, I guess. Sorry. <laughs> you said it on colors. Like, do you understand that? What do you mean? Because you were saying some yeah. bad things could, could be like a stone, I guess, and I'm just thinking of laziness. And well, well, I'm saying that, that meaning should be a stone in the sense that it's timeless. It's not just something is meaningful now, but it has to be meaningful now, tomorrow, yesterday. That's how you measure what meaning is. And that, that whatever is meaningful has to stand up in the sense of it is, it is good for people. It, all people. And then that's what I'm saying. Like my, 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 argument is, well, that, my, my argument is, well, that's the Torah. That by being so obsessed with outlining in detail meaning, well, that's really outlining that's really outlining a map that 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 has actually served people for thousands of years and will continue to do so. It's like that it's it's kind of, you know, in, in one sense It se- sounds like yeah. objective meaning. It is objective meaning. Okay. But that's what makes it objective. Hello. It's it is timeless. Yeah. If you want something to have meaning and you don't have it, could you force it like to make it feel like you have it from me like you know like you, what do you mean? Let's say in Judaism you want something to be meaningful, like a mitzvah, okay. and it's really not. And you want to force yourself to ha- find the meaning in it. Is it possible to either... I feel like you could instill it in yourself, but is it possible to not do that also? I think, like, yeah, I, I get, like, get your could question. Could you instill yeah. it as if you were born with I, it? I get, I get what your question is. I think a couple different angles on this one is like... Meaning is not... Meaning is, is Gemara Shabbos talks about the why. Why was it so praiseworthy when the Jewish people said not Nasev and Ishma? You know that thousands of Molechim come and putting two crowns on the Jewish people. Nasev and Ishma, I will do, and then I will hear. And I think I think what you know it was it was even like you know the way the way that Rabbi Shub and Levi talks about that Medrash is almost like you know they. That how how did the Jewish people discover the secret only that Malachim know? It's like okay, that's very interesting. You know, well, well, yeah, okay. What is the secret? I think it's something like through action we discover meaning. That meaning is so complex; it's not something you can be told, although that's a part of it. It's not something that you read, although it's a part of it. It's something that you know every sense has to experience. It's so, and it's, I mean, it's, that's complicated. And so if something is not making, if something, if you don't sense meaning in something, chances are you haven't done it enough. Meaning, and I don't mean, I don't mean like in this sort of like habitual sort of way. It's, well, maybe you haven't done enough, meaning you have to do it for 40 years. Because, 
you know, listen, whoever you are, you ain't going to be who you are 40 years from now. You know, like it might be that the meaning of whatever it is you're doing only reveals itself when you're 40, only reveals itself when, when you become a parent and you see that this meaning you've ingrained in yourself and you didn't really think it mattered much, all of a sudden when you have kids, like, oh, okay, I got it. I mean, I've had that experience a bunch of times, you when know? When someone has kids, they always call their parents, like, listen. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I apologize. In different things, in different levels, it's just like, oh, okay, well, that me, me as a single adult and me as a married guy and, you know, I'm independent, I think for myself and my personality, like, well, maybe I won't appreciate it, but, oh, I see how this works for my kids, oh, it's good I had that. You know, it's good I was able to reveal that truth to them, even though I didn't appreciate it. So part of it is, like, doing it and not just doing it. Again, that's not a habit. It's like, you're doing it. Eventually, the meaning is revealed to you. The, the flip side of that is that meaning is not in a book. Meaning is not something people can tell you, although they need to. Like, you, you do have to have con- like conversations like this. We have to talk about these sorts of things because this is, this is one step on the journey of discovering meaning. It's one way of opening doors to meaning. I might say things you never thought of before. That's great. So go, go through that. You know, I said something new. It's a door that's open. Go through that and see if you can live whatever I said. But it's like you can't have someone tell you wisdom and then all of a sudden you're wise. Right. So it might also just be... You know, if something isn't making sense, again, well, you know, it might just be someone's telling you it. You haven't, it has, it, it's only been words. Right. Yeah. They say, like, Shabbos, like, you could tell someone why Shabbos is meaningful, but until they do it, yeah. you, know, you can't grasp it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I don't, I don't, I, I, mean, I don't know, I hope that's helpful, but it's, it's, yeah. or it's only meaningful in context. Like, I don't know if it, here's an idea. I don't know if it's true or not, but I don't know if a single mitzvah is meaningful in of itself. It might, it might actually be all mitzvahs are meaningful because, yes, it's meaningful, but it's meaningful because it's a part of something. That could also be. So, like, you know, well, maybe this one thing doesn't mean anything to you. And fair enough. I mean, like, you're, you're entitled to not be interested in stuff. But it might be, like, that's the bolt holding together the screw that if you just let that one fall off, the whole thing falls apart. You know, it could be that way also. You know, what would, what would Judaism look like if... The only mitzvah was learning and not doing. That would be weird. Yeah. So, you know, that, that, that you have to have both, you know? And so that, it might very well be that that's, that's true. I don't know. You know, it's, it's, it's a thought I'm playing around with. So don't, don't quote me that it's, that it's, that it's Mycenae. But it, it, prob- it, pro- it, pro- it probably is true. So that could right, also that could also be. Permission. It's probably you just gave me permission, permission to quote you. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I heard. I don't know, man. Second sentence. I never knew you were a convert until now. Yep. My Aryan good looks. <laughs> I figured when you said Iowa. Yeah, I kind of figured that, that too. A, I thought I was that was kind of yeah. <laughs> Two things come out of Iowa, pigs and converts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I saw something, I don't know if you can relate, but um, yeah. it was like, it was like, your life could be worse. People live in I. No, people live <laughs> actually Oklahoma. live in Oklahoma. <laughs> 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 people actually live in Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah people actually live in Oklahoma. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, Adam. 
Listen. Everyone in Oklahoma. I felt that. Mm-hmm. Everyone in Oklahoma would be like, wow, you're wow. going to come for me like this. The only time yeah. someone came from people. there's a you know in a, there's there's a there's a, a oh, 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 oh. he he mentions this that there is a there is such an idea that that you know certain before before the Torah was given you know you look at the avos you know this idea that the avos kept the Torah but then they they did certain things that are kind of like prohibited like marrying sisters you know that sort mm-hmm. of stuff. So the Nefesh Chaim describes that before Harsinai was given, there was like a, kind of how I was saying, there was a certain flexibility to morality where, you know, a person's Shorish and Neshama, the root of their Neshama, yes, connects to certain things and doesn't connect to certain things. And that for the Avos, their Shorish and Neshama was such that they, it was an obligation, it was a moral good that they married sisters. But that when the Torah was given, there was a concretization of morality. That the, the, there was a shift from individuals discovering God, where things are more flexible, to a nation displaying God's existence. And that by definition, well, the, 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 the community, in a certain sense, being, the, being what is displaying God, well, you have to have rules for everybody. You can't have some people doing this and some people doing that. And so it might actually be there are some things, there are some halachas that just don't connect to your Shorash and Neshama. That could be. It could be the, it could, for you and how God created you, it's meaningless. But you, but what is meaningful in that is you still have to do it because it's not about you, but it's about everybody. And that the, the meaning held within whatever mitzvah you just don't get it's it's for the Jewish people, so that, 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 that's that 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 is a true statement. That is something that you can quote me on. That's a nefesh Okay. How old were you when you converted? Started when I was eighteen. Did you grow up um, as? Did you like? Did you grow up with religion at all? I remember one day, I think it was a freshman year in high school. I don't even know why my mom did this. She was like, she pulled me aside and she's like, if anyone asks you, just say you're Lutheran. Lutheran? Okay. Isn't that like, is that Catholic? <laughs> I don't even know. No, no, it's, it's, a, it's a branch of Protestantism. But it was like, it, it was completely random, never never went to church. and it was, it was more like, I think she was just afraid of like people so, thinking like we were a bunch of like wild atheists. And when we were religious, you know, like when I was a little, little, little kid. Um, my mom tried to read us a little bit of the Bible before going to school. We got up to Parshas Noah, and I, th- I think like something about God destroying the world turned her off to reading it to her little five-year-old kid. You know, like, uh, she didn't, but she didn't know. Like, I love she really, she really didn't know. It was it was such a, like it was such a like you know like this sort of like to Mimi is sort of like this sort of like. N- beautiful naivety is like she never read the she never read the book, and so well. Change human history must be an important book. Let's sit down, kids, and read it. And it's like, and then God destroyed all of humanity. Close of the book. Okay, time for school. And that was it. We never read, we didn't we didn't get past that. But uh, <laughs> yeah. no sequel needed. No, no, no. Interesting. Yeah. So how do you find your way to Israel? Took plane. No way. Yes. Oh, do you want birthright? 
Yeah, well, yeah, that's why I got here. But yeah. Yes, they are. No, no, I'm back. Of course they are. But it was your first time in Israel? Of course, parents. Yeah, well, it was after I converted, and then I came here. And you know you wanted to stay here? Not really. Israel kind of grew on me. So you weren't planning on staying here? No, I was coming to learn, and then go back home. Did you go to Yeshiva? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Went to Yeshiva, became a rabbi, did the whole... Yeah. But that, that, that's also like kind of getting back to that point of, well, like it wasn't meaningful coming for me to live to live in Israel initially. Like I had to come and, I had to come and live in Israel to realize why it was meaningful. Like no one can tell me why it was meaningful. I had to experience it, and I did, and I think it is meaningful to live here, but I only know that because I did it. And you're gonna like it. I only I only realized it was meaningful to live in Israel because I did it because I lived in Israel and just through experiencing. Living in Israel, like I learned, I learned wisdom there. It's important for the Jewish people to be together yeah. in Israel. Like that's important. All right, we'll call it call it a day. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you.